0: I want you to do something just before we, um, we read scripture. I want you to pray, and I know we've been praying a lot, and that's good, that's what you're meant to do, but I want you to pray for yourself now, just in case you haven't already done that. I want you to pray for you, all right, and say, Lord, please speak to me. Would you do that? It's very important that we are attuned to the Holy Spirit right at the very outset now, and that our ears are cupped To hear what the Spirit has to say to us. So please do that now. It can be a very brief prayer. Just, Lord, speak to me. Lord, touch me. Lord, meet with me. And I believe He's going to do that today. I'm going to say in faith that people are going to encounter the Holy Spirit today, now. So get ready. Father, we come to your word and we just humble ourselves before you and the Spirit who inspired these pages. And we say, Come, Holy Spirit. As you breathed on these words, breathe on our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Speak to us and touch us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1, first of all, let's start there. I don't know whether you know this or not, but the book of Acts is actually a second volume of a two volume book. Did you know that? Luke is the author, Luke the physician, who also wrote the gospel. And really, these are two kind of volumes stuck into one. And if you look at verse one of Acts chapter one, Luke says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day on which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. The former treatise or the former work that Luke is speaking of here is his gospel, the Gospel of Luke. And so theoretically, what he was doing in Luke was writing an apologetic to show who Jesus was and what he said was true and the mighty works which he did to this guy, Theophilus, who may have been an unbeliever, who may have been on way to faith. His name means God lover, so some people think it's metaphoric. I don't, I think it's literal. But nevertheless, the point is this. Now in the second volume, What Jesus began to do and teach that's recorded in the gospel is now being continued by the apostles and the early disciples in the early church, which is, of course, what Jesus promised would happen. And if you know anything about the gospels, you know that they all generally end with some form of commission. Um, Maybe one of them doesn't, but Generally speaking, there is a go and tell this message. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, uh, teaching them to observe all things that I've taught you, doing the things that I taught you to do. And that's basically what discipleship is. You know that? It's apprenticeship. It's coming alongside someone and learning how to do stuff. You saw it in the shipyard or in shorts or in various uh, other, maybe the carpet factory or whatever a young fella came alongside an older man or or a young girl, an older lady, um, and learned the trade. And the disciples were called to be with Jesus first, and then he sent them out. But he did say to them in John chapter 14, verse 13, "'Truly I say to you, "'he who believes in me, "'the works that I do, he will do also, "'and greater works than those, "'because I go to my Father.'" And what he was teaching in fourteen, fifteen, sixteen 16 of John's gospel before he went to the cross was it is necessary for me to go away because if I don't go away, then the comforter, the encourager, the strengthener will not come to you. And the word in the Greek for, for being used of the Holy Spirit there, comforter, strengthener, encourager is parakletos, which means to come alongside and to lift up. And Jesus, now imagine being one of the disciples just for a moment. You've walked with Jesus about three and a half years. You you understand who he is, that he's the Messiah come to deliver the Jewish nation. And they're often thinking on on an earthly level of getting free from the Roman Empire. But he now announces to you, and the kingdom doesn't appear to have come in any visible form, that he's disappearing. And in fact, he's telling them, it's better off that I go. The word is expedient. It's necessary. It's to your advantage that I go. And they, I imagine were scratching their heads saying, he's lost it. I mean, how can it be to our benefit that the one whom we've waited for uh, for thousands of years is now going to go and leave us on our own? But you see, he wasn't leaving them on their own. He was sending the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would do something. And I want, understand the words I'm going to say here. This is not irreverent or limiting the Lord Jesus but it's just factual. The Holy Spirit would come to do what Jesus couldn't do in mere bodily form here on the earth because Jesus' ministry was local around the Holy Land, whereas the Holy Spirit, when he came, his ministry would be global, universal. To a large extent, the ministry of Jesus was external, where he was healing bodies, etc. Now He was obviously ministering into people's hearts, But the Holy Spirit would actually come to do something internal, where he would come to indwell people. And in anticipation of this, Jesus, at the end of John's gospel, breathes on the disciples post-resurrection, breathes on the disciples and say, receive the Spirit, and they received something of the Holy Spirit, but they did not receive the promise of the Father and the Son, which they heard from him, which is what happened at Pentecost. I'm building all this up to show you that this is a fulfillment of the ages. In fact, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming to reside within his church, is the fulfillment of everything that God had ever planned. And it was via the cross and via the resurrection. But you know that if we stop on Good Friday, it's not enough to save our souls. You know that. We need to have Easter Sunday. We need Jesus coming back again from the dead because a dead Savior can't save anybody. But equally, stopping at Easter Sunday is no use to us. Because this life that is resurrection life, that raised Christ from the dead, has to come and live in me. Otherwise, I spiritually die. And so whilst in the Old Testament there was what we might call a visitational culture, that is the Holy Spirit would come on people and they would do an exploit and then the Holy Spirit would maybe lift off them like Samson. You know, one minute he could be in bed with a prostitute, next minute the Holy Spirit could be on him and he could be doing exploits for God. It's hard to make sense of, but we we see that type of visitational culture in the Old Testament. But the New Testament is something different. Read John's gospel, look for the word dwell. The Holy Spirit would come and dwell within his people. Stay there. Make home within our lives. Now, I believe there is a coming upon us of the Holy Spirit as well as that. Someone put it like this. The Holy Spirit indwells you, is in you for your benefit, but the Holy Spirit comes upon you for the benefit of others. And that's what we get in Acts chapter 2. So let's read it together. I'm going on a bit here. Let's read it together from verse 1 of chapter 2. And maybe look at verse 8, first of all, of chapter 1, and then we'll go to chapter 2. But Jesus is speaking now before his ascension to heaven. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's like a blueprint for the whole book of Acts. In fact, that's a blueprint for the, the Great Commission taking the gospel to the world. And here's where it starts. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, there was an appointed time. And that's important to note. This is, God is not random in what he does. There was an appointed time, and it's 10 days after the ascension of Jesus to heaven. It's now 50 days at the the Feast of Pentecost, which is a Jewish feast. And so they're in an upper room praying. And I don't want you to think that they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, he could just come at any time. Or they're begging God to send the Holy Spirit. This is a promise. And there was a calendar to it. And they're one accord and in one place. They were united in in asking God to fulfill this promise. And suddenly, and there are suddenlies of the Holy Spirit... And I'm trusting God that there's going to be a suddenly of the Holy Spirit now in this place this morning for some of you. But before the Holy Spirit actually lit upon them, there was a sound from heaven. And just in the light of what Neil said, many of us in Tabar and indeed across the whole nation are expectant. God is already doing stuff. Some amazing stuff. But it's as if we're hearing sounds from heaven. It's like a a train's coming. <laughs> Going to an Negro spiritual now, but you know there's a there's something on the way, and we can hear the sound of it. It's like a rustling of the the wind, the moving in the mulberry tree. And so they heard this sound, a rushing, mighty wind filled the whole house. This is, by the way, the motif or figures of what's called in the Old Testament, Shekinah glory. When God showed up, you can't see God, you know he's invisible, but when he showed up, certain things tended to happen. Thunder, there could be clouds, there could be fire, there could be darkness. And these are figurative indications that God is around. And this is in keeping with that from the Old Testament. Wind and tongues of fire, as we'll see. Then there appeared... Verse 3, on them divide tongues as of fire, one sat upon them. You see, Jesus promised you'll be baptized. John baptizes with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit and fire. This is the fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to notice this. They were all filled. All means all. This is not just for evangelists, it's not just for pastors, it's not just for missionaries, it's not just for prophets, it's not just for teachers or apostles, this is for all. It's for you. And many people disqualify themselves from this endowment of power because of the role that you feel is insignificant that you have within the kingdom of God. There are no insignificant roles. And this is for all of us. And in fact, I want to say this to you. The disciples were told, whilst Jesus said, go into all the gospel, the next word, theoretically, he spoke was slow. Because he told them to do nothing until the promise of the Father and the Son came. Because they were impotent to be effective. For world transformation without the Holy Spirit. Because it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. That which is of the flesh is flesh, but that which is of the Spirit is Spirit. And this has to come from God's Spirit. So they weren't allowed to lift a finger until Pentecost. You need the Holy Spirit. I don't, and I'm not diminishing making the tea or cleaning the toilets. I really am not. I tend to clean toilets myself from time to time. But... You can't do anything of any significance to the glory of God, whatever it is, no matter how minuscule you feel it is, if you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. And if you're doing it for the glory of God, it will be animated by the Spirit of God. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you don't sense that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to get filled today. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the gift of tongues that we'll talk about in a moment or two. Verse 5. And there were in dwelling places, in Jerusalem Jews devout men, men from every more. nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled. Now I want you to notice that the terms used here. They were confused. They were amazed. They marveled, saying to one another, look. Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Aber- Funny, Arabs, we hear them speaking the in our own, lang- our own tongues, languages, the wonderful works and of you- God. So they were, look at these terms again, all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Now this is crazy stuff, all right? No one has ever seen anything like this before, because it's never happened before. The Holy Spirit has come and people are speaking languages they never learned. And the people who are there for the Jewish feast of Pentecost from all over the empire are recognizing their own language and hearing that these people are prophesying the mighty works of God. This is the gift of tongues. It's a little bit different, perhaps, from what you find in 1 Corinthians 12 and and 14. But nevertheless, it's it's, it's essentially the same gift. But I want you to see the reaction of ordinary people. Look at the terms, verse 6, confused, verse 7, amazed and marveled. Verse 12, amazed, perplexed, whatever could this mean? And verse 13, they get to the point of mocking, saying, these guys are drunk. They're off their head. They're high. I want to say this to you. If it was the case on the first day, the birthday of the church, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, that people got offended by it, it will be exactly the same today. And it still is. People thought they were drunk, nine o'clock in the morning. But here's the interesting thing. Many were offended, but more were converted. Though the offense was great, there were thousands of people swept into the kingdom of God this very day. And that's really all that matters, isn't it? And Peter's standing, verse 14, with the eleven raised his voice and said, the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But this is what, or as the authorized version says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, can I just pause you for a moment there? When God shows up and does new things, they often are new things. They can be in accordance with the principles of Scripture, but there can be new elements about them. And this is why I'm saying this, because there's nothing mentioned in Joel chapter 2 about speaking in tongues and looking drunk. There's nothing there about that. And yet Peter says, they're not drunk. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm just saying there are certain aspects of when the Holy Spirit's poured out and does new things that may not look necessarily anything that's happened before, but what you're looking for is something deeper of a work of God. What is the fruit of this? And here it is in verse 17 as he quotes Joel 2. It shall come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And there is that word again, all In the last days, which is the period really between the resurrection, ascension of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, that's now by the way, God is pouring out his spirit. So we don't have to wait on another Pentecost. And when people talk about we need another Pentecost, I understand what they mean and I might even use that term. But it's not as if we need the Holy Spirit to be re-poured out. He has been poured out. He is, I think it's a continual thing, he is being poured out constantly at this particular period of time on all flesh. Isn't that wonderful? No one is excluded. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So all flesh, every ethnicity, sons and daughters, what's that? As kids. It's kids. The Holy Spirit can be poured out on children. Someone famously said there is no junior Holy Spirit. Your young men, there it is again, young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, on my men servants and maid servants, so it's daughters and maid servants, this is, it's not a gender issue, it's not men that receive the spirit of God, or the spirit of prophecy, it's for everyone, all ages, all ethnicities, all genders, the Holy Spirit's power is for the whole church. I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What of ours? And if you're not saved today, that's a good biblical word to know that you're not lost, that your sins are forgiven, you have repented and believed that Jesus died on the cross for you rose again, that you might have this life. Today is your day. How fortunate are you that today you're living in the day when you just need to call on Jesus and you can be saved right now? Why don't you do that? Just where you're sitting. Lord, save me. Verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you, By miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands of crucified, put to death, whom God has raised up, and loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Jesus was attested by the miraculous that's what verse 22 is saying and the message of the gospel is attested by the supernatural that's why we're not commemorating today something that happened just over 2000 years ago we're actually celebrating that the Holy Spirit is the same as he was at the birthday of the church do you believe that? And in fact, we need him to be. This wasn't something that kick-started the early apostles so that they could get the show on the road. But then, when the apostles died, the Holy Spirit's power disappeared, and we just have to ratchet it up somehow and get on with it. How unthinkable is that? That we should fulfil the good, good and great commission without the power of the Holy Spirit that's necessary to do it. That's why I quickly go down to verse thirty-nine. Verse thirty-nine. For the promise, this promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. In other words, this is not just for this generation that's here. This is for you, your kids, your grandkids and everyone that's afar off. And that's talking maybe geographically but it's also talking um, chronologically of the future. Everybody that will ever be called by God This promise is for them. Now, I haven't got time to show you this. I know there's a lot of heavy stuff there that I've gone into. We could go off in various ways on on each one. The Bible's good, isn't it, by the way? You should try reading it sometime. (laughs) It's really exciting. Verse 8 of chapter 1. What happened in chapter 2 was the outpouring of the Spirit in Jerusalem and Judea. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the almost parts of the world, the gospel of the kingdom needs to be preached, and the Holy Spirit needs to be poured out. Yeah. So, chapter two is Jerusalem, Judea. You go to chapter eight, and you get Samaria, and we don't have time to look at it. But there's a crowd there, Philip's been preaching the gospel. And there's a crowd receive the Holy Spirit when the apostles come and lay hands. Acts two, by the way, nobody laid hands on anybody. The Holy Spirit just fell. Chapter eight, apostles laid hands. So laying hands is good. You don't have to. Chapter 11, Cornelius' house. So we've gone Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And by the way, the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They were seen as unclean spiritually, culturally, ethnically. They were seen as half-Jews. They had a different religion, a different way to God. And yet God came to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit can fall on anyone. As long as they turn to him. The Holy Spirit can come. Chapter 11 of Acts. Cornelius' house. He's an Italian uh, centurion, an officer in the Roman army. And he has a God fear. He's been fasting and praying. And the angel appears to him. Peter's sent to his house. And he preaches to him words whereby he must be saved. And the Holy Spirit falls again in that house. Nobody laying hands on. People get baptized in the Holy Spirit before they're baptized in water. Which is interesting. So you don't have to be baptized in water to receive the Holy Spirit, although it can happen. And you don't have to have someone laying hands on you, although that's often the way it happens. But I want you to see quickly here, in the time that I have, Acts chapter 19. Turn to Acts chapter 19, because this is interesting. Because I grew up with a background that said, the Holy Spirit's been poured out, Pentecost happens, so you don't need to seek the Holy Spirit, or, you know, you just... Become a Christian and you receive the Holy Spirit and all you need. Now, you do receive the Holy Spirit when you're born again. But there's much, much more than that. And it was argued to me that, well, Jerusalem and Judea was Acts 2. Samaria was Acts 8. The uttermost parts of the world, the Gentiles, was Acts 11, Cornelius and his household. So that's it. Done, thus, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on all flesh. So what are you running around looking for the Holy Spirit for? You? Just believe on Jesus and you get the Holy Spirit. But here's a group that got left behind in chapter 19. Now watch this. Verse 1. It happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you or since you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? What? I thought you got the Holy Spirit when you believed. Well, you do. But what's he talking about here? Something different. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Hold the horses here, right? So he's asking them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they come back. Hey, what kind of Christians are these? They come back and say, we haven't even heard about this Holy Spirit. What? (laughs) And that probably could be said about a lot of Christians today. It's as if they never heard about the Holy Spirit. Verse three, and he said to them, into what then will you baptize? This is where it gets a bit complicated. They said into John's baptism, that's John the Baptist. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him whom have come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So they said, we were baptized by John the Baptist. And Paul says, I, he preached repentance and he told people to believe in Jesus. So they had obviously repented and they believed on Jesus whom John preached. But look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So baptized again in water. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied and the men were about 12 in all. Now let me try and explain this. Some people say they weren't a real article. They weren't true believers because they're only baptized by John the Baptist and they hadn't been baptized into Jesus. And hadn't received the Holy Spirit. hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Well, I beg to differ on that because they're called disciples and it says they believed in Jesus. So what, what else do you have to do? But I will agree that there was something half-baked about them, if you like. They hadn't got the full, complete message yet. But I want you to see if all they needed to do was come into some full conversion experience with Jesus Christ and be even baptized into Jesus Christ, why then did the apostles have to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit if all they had to do was believe? Obviously, that wasn't all they needed to do. And they had an experience of God's Spirit when the apostles laid hands upon them and prayed. Now, here's the punchline. When Paul met these guys, 12 in all, isn't it interesting? There's 12 of them, just like the original 12. 12. And these 12 are left behind, but Paul discerns that there is something deficient in their Christian experience. There's something missing. The power of the Spirit of God. You call it whatever you like, baptism, fullness, sealing. I'm not interested in terminology. All I'm interested is that you get what Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven for you to receive that you're operating as you spread the gospel of the kingdom and seek to convert this community for Jesus, that you're operating not in human flesh, but in the power of God. So, my question to you is, have you received this power of the Spirit when or since you believed? You could receive it when you believe. Some people do, but most people don't. Most people don't even realize this exists. And the good news is, even if you received a touch from God in the past, there's always more. John chapter 3, we're very familiar with, for God so loved the world, but not so familiar with um, the verse that says in it that he, that is God, does not give the spirit by measure. In other words, God doesn't measure out little medicine glasses of the Holy Spirit's power to each of us and say, David Lake, you've had your quota no more. He gives as much as we want. That's really the issue. As much as we want. Do you know what the issue is? The issue is thirst. The issue is appetite. John chapter 7, on the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And John said, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit which is yet to be given to them who believed, for Jesus had not yet ascended to his Father. There's a connection again. Death, resurrection, ascension, Holy Spirit poured out. But the point that Jesus is making is, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. These disciples in the day of Pentecost were beside themselves with ecstatic joy. Holy Spirit was poured out. They spoke in tongues. There were miracles, prophecies, all sorts of signs and wonders. And there's pleasure unspeakable in the Spirit-filled life. There's challenges. There's suffering. There's trial, temptation, all the rest in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. But it's the best life. It's the greatest life. And sadly, some of us have substituted other things for this life. Sometimes as Christians, we've substituted activity and work, ministry. Ephesians chapter five says, "Don't be drunk with wine. We're in as a excess or dissipation, but be filled with the spirit." And some of us have substituted substances or pleasurable occupations in the world for the spirit. Of life in Christ Jesus, which sets us free from the law of sin and death. Some of us need to throw some of those things away and get filled with the Spirit, get empowered by the Spirit. And you know, for ministry in particular, you need these gifts. Paul said he preached the gospel with signs and wonders. He said, I did not come to you in word only but in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. That's what, we, that's what we need. That's what the world needs. We owe the world a demonstration of the supernatural. We owe them that to attest to the good news of Jesus. But anyway, probably said enough. Holy Spirit is here now. And I believe the Holy Spirit, I I believe people who maybe aren't Christians right now can become Christians. And that's the first thing I think God would like to do today. So if that's you, why not come to Jesus? And why not drink deep right from day one? Don't be waiting six months to get filled with the Spirit. Get filled with the Spirit now. Or if you're a backslider, as we call them here, someone who's grown cold or never been effective in your Christian life, or, or, as has already been prayed here today, you're just saying, there are much but more than this. There is. There always is. There's always more. But maybe you have got disillusioned with Christianity. People say to me, I tried that and it didn't work. don't did tell you, you didn't try this. I don't know what you tried, but you didn't try this. Because the power of God is what raised Jesus from the dead. And it works. But maybe you're just a Christian who isn't backslidden, but you know there's something missing. And this is not to condemn you, and it's not to say there's, some, there's the haves and the haves nots It's not like that. Everybody's a Christian has the Holy Spirit. The question is how much of the Holy Spirit, how much the Holy Spirit has of you. How much the Holy Spirit has of you. And if you're wanting to do ministry for him, and if you're wanting even to be fulfilled in your Christian walk with him, it's through the Holy Spirit's power. Now, I believe this morning, not only does God want to save people, I believe he wants to restore people. I believe he wants to fill people with his Holy Spirit. And what better day? Every day is the day of Pentecost, really, for the church now but it doesn't do any harm reminding ourselves of this occasion, this day when the Holy Spirit was first poured out. I believe he wants to release in you the power of his spirit. question is, do you believe that? I believe specifically, I feel the Lord prompted this to me this morning, he wants to release the gift of tongues in people. And It says in Acts 2 that they spoke the glorious works of God. It doesn't say, and this is going to help someone here, I think. It doesn't say that God zapped them and they were in an uncontrollable ecstasy and they blabbered out this um, strange heavenly language and they had no control over their vocal cords or their tongue. It doesn't say that. It says they spoke. They did the speaking. They opened their mouth. Just as Peter stepped onto the water, Jesus didn't walk for Peter. Jesus didn't put one foot in front of the other. Jesus kept him above the water. Jesus did the supernatural thing, but he had to do the natural thing. The natural thing is you believe God and you start speaking, but you believe the Holy Spirit to animate from your spirit what you're gonna say. And I believe some of you actually have this gift, I believe it's potentially for everyone, but some of you already have this gift operating when you're worshiping. And so you're in worship or you're in prayer and it's rising up within you, you sense something rising up within you. you, I don't know what you think it is, but there's something rising up within you. I believe that if you, in worship or prayer, were to just, as Corinthians says, not engage your understanding, because tongues bypasses your understanding, but it's God's spirit to your spirit, from your spirit you just opened your mouth and by faith spoke whatever came out and didn't worry about being embarrassed or being foolish. I believe you would probably speak in tongues. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to heal people here today. Because he's doing that all the time. Whether it's a broken heart or a tormented mind or a body that needs a touch physically. I believe he wants to do that. I believe he wants to set people free from the bondage of sin. Maybe there's somewhere here and you're, you're actually bound by alcoholism. Alcoholism. I touched on it earlier. Do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Maybe it started just as an ordinary wee social drink, but now it's gotten out of control. And you know there's something going on that's not of God. You need to be set free from that. And Maybe it's another substance. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's some other addiction. The Lord can set you free. So what we want to do now is leave ourselves open to the Holy Spirit. I don't know whether you've arranged for a song at the end, have you? Do you want to come and start that? And I want to invite anybody. Well, let's just come and start the start the playing anyway. Um, let's stand to her feet. Let's stand to her feet. Now I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in just a moment. Just if you play gently, just that would be great, guys. Um, I'm going to pray a prayer of invocation, inviting the Holy Spirit. He's right here, but inviting him to engage with us. And if you're one of those persons that are, are hungry and thirsty and yearning and longing, it's by faith. Right? It's not, you're not waiting for some kind of feeling. Now, you can give feelings, but you have to step out by faith and believe that this is for you and God wants this for you and just say, Lord, here I am. Come to me. And ask him. Say, come Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Don't be afraid. Father never gives hurtful or harmful gifts to those who ask for the Holy Spirit. That's what Luke 11 is all about. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? So you ask Him, and He will give you. you but, and I don't care whether you feel nothing, you believe that He's heard you. That's the important thing. Believe that He's heard you. Then it says you will receive. After you believe, you receive the things that you've asked of him. If you need Jesus as Savior, just pray, Lord, save me now. Cleanse me and forgive me. I repent. Thank you for dying for me. Save me now. If you're a backslider, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. But if you're that Christian that wants more and you know there's more and you've seen there's more, pray to him now. If you're someone that needs freedom in your mind, your emotions, or you need healing in your body, I want you to pray for that now. I want you to put your hand wherever that if it's appropriate wherever the the problem is the pain is the affliction is and I want you to speak to it in Jesus name and command it to go. Do that. Speak to your depression and command it to go. Speak to your rejection and your fear and command it to go. There's probably a bit more needs to happen as well in your mind and, and habits and all sorts of things. But listen, there is a devil about and he wants to destroy our lives. Let's not be ignorant about that. I'm going to pray this prayer of invocation, but you've got to be praying, okay? You've got to be asking God for what you want. I can't fix you. I can't pray your prayers. I can help you, but you've got to want to help yourself. And you've got to want all that God has for you. These guys on the day of Pentecost, boy, did they want it. Ten days in the upper room, they waited and waited and prayed and prayed. How much do you want? How much are you thirsting and hungry? So you pray just where you are. Take a moment or two of quietness. Just say to the Lord what you desire. It has to be the motive of him at the end of the day. Desire for him. For his glory, for his kingdom. Let's take a moment or two just where you are. Praying asking I'm going to pray a prayer just now and some people actually may, I believe they will the Holy Spirit will touch you in some way that you will know Father, we thank you for the promise that you gave through Jesus that you would send another of the same kind. We thank you that he has come. We thank you that he is here. And in Jesus' name, blessed Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and touch our lives. Come and save people in this place. Come and fill, baptize, immerse Overwhelm people right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you to release the gifts that Jesus died for. Release tongues, release prophecy, release all the giftings of the Spirit. But may people know right now that they are receiving from you. May they know a touch from you. In the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command tormented minds, be still in Jesus' name. Spirits of torment, be gone, be bound. I command spirits of heaviness and depression to leave in Jesus' name. Spirits of fear and rejection to go in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus. I command spirits of infirmity behind certain sicknesses to go now in Jesus' name. Be loosed of your infirmity. I speak to bodies, be healed in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come, give your gifts of healing. Release them to bodies and minds and spirits and souls here today. And just before we sing our final song, while heads are bowed and eyes closed, is there anybody here this morning and you, you've trusted Christ for the first time, you've become a Christian, you've given your heart to Jesus and you've asked him to save you? There may be no one in that category, but just want to give the opportunity. Would you raise your hand just where you're standing so as I can see Young or old, doesn't matter. Is there anybody? Is there anybody backslidden and you've come back to the Lord Jesus this morning on this Pentecost Sunday? Is there anyone? There might be nobody in the category, but I'm just wanting to give the opportunity. Is there anyone who has actually recognized God has touched you this morning in some way? You've sensed the Holy Spirit upon you and he's been doing something on you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Yes? Praise God. If you've had pain in your body or you've had an affliction that was discernible, you could feel it. Would you test it right now? If it's still if it's still there, test it. If you can do something, stand up or down, whatever, swing around. Whatever you need to do, test it. Is there anybody that actually recognizes something's gone, a pain is gone, or something's shifted, or something's different? Just try it out just now. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone? Is there anyone? This we are. Test it now. Just put your hand up. We can pray with you afterwards if you need more prayer. I believe God's doing something and wanting to do more in the midst. As you've tested that, is there anybody you would testify that God has touched you just now? Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here and we believe you're going to continue we thank you for those who've experienced your touch upon their lives today but lord we know there's more and we say god of the much more give us more we can take it we think we can but even if we can't get us to a place where we have the capacity to receive more of you because you know we need more of you in jesus name we give you all the glory amen